Hi everyone, this is Marsha, and I'm the director and founder of the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival. I'm thrilled and elated to announce the birth and launch of our brand new podcast, CocoPod. Consider the aromatic CocoPod and how, after carefully ripening under the Caribbean sun, it generously offers up its rich fruit in due season. CocoPod by BCLF aims to provide a similar delight. Each episode is a seed, a nugget of an original Caribbean story told in the voice of its writer. Each story, an infinite gift by the offshoot of an ancient griot tradition. As a whole, Caribbean stories are like a mighty tree whose branches extend, offering shade and comfort wherever her children settle. From my team and the legion of Caribbean writers behind us, we bring to you the warmest of welcomes. This is an extract of Cane uh, Warriors, uh, Chapter 8, when um, my major characters, Moa and Keraton, they have to um, fulfill their task by um, killing the, um, the overseer. White man Easter Sunday, an orange sun dropped to the west. I gazed at the rich green of the land. Much in the valleys was now cast in shadow. I hadn't slept at all last night. The insides of my stomach had tossed and churned since I picked up my billhook for work. Kevin and I had cut as much cane as I could remember on this day. There were moments I just wanted to stop work and take my rest. Everything ate. Mr. Donaldson went by on his donkey as the sun began to dip and nodded his appreciation. My blood seemed to bubble inside of me as he did so. I remembered my recent whipping. It wasn't a pain I recalled, but a sound his back whipper made. Crack pum, crack pum, crack pum. I couldn't even glance at his boots, let alone his face. His beast looked well tired. At least it didn't have blood ridges upon its back. Miss Gloria has served us chicken wing and a bigger portion of cornmeal than usual for our midday meal. I threw most of it up a little later. Keverton observed the skies. It's soon time, Moa. I hope the sun would get stuck in the sky. Yes, Minor, I replied. Let me wait till I come and pick up the key. Moments later, Hermia arrived with her wonky handcart. We helped her load it. She offered Keverton a smile, but not me. Guilt lashed my insides. They were soon come for me, Moa. Why you don't want to talk to me when you come up? She asked me. I guess she was really asking me why I hadn't asked her to join the revolt. Never at the time, I replied. If Mr. Pence's son catch me up close to the big house, then me back would get a rip again for true, and he wouldn't make you watch it. Her mayor looked like she was deciding on my punishment, but eventually she grinned at me. When you come up next time, make sure you talk to me. Remember... You're the big brother we never have. A sudden sadness shadowed her face. She had lost her parents when she was very young. There. There will be a next time, Moa? It took me a long moment to answer. Yes, there will be. 
and next time, I promise. Don't worry your little self about that. If something happened, will you take me with you? I didn't want her to ask me this, but she did. Nothing happened in Homea, I lied. She fixed me with a hard stare. You sure? Me sure, I replied. When she set off, she turned to us and said, May Aminlawa bless your good foot. I remembered Miss Pam teaching us about Aminlawa. She was a goddess of rivers. We watched her in silence as she struggled up the hill on her way to the mill house. I wondered if Papa was about, was about his work or if he would walk up to the big house to reveal our Brockhart plan. When Homea disappeared from view, I searched Kevinton's eyes. I wanted to see courage in them. Are you ready? I asked. Kevinton gripped his billhook. Yes, me well ready, he replied. Your hand strong. Yes, me think so, I said. But me shaky shaky inside. That no matter, Kevinton said. Just keep the shaky shaky inside your belly. As long as your foot and hand strong. You're back strong like the blue mahole, the, the blue mahole tree fighting the wind, I said to Kevinton. And your hand gripped like the link of iron around new slave foot. Me glad me with you. I'm happy to be with you, Kevinton replied. No worry, Moa. We will finish our job. Me been thinking, I said. Say, say we rushing Mr. Donaldson place and him not there. He might be up by the big house. He'll be there, replied Kevinton. Him be up at the big house in the morning for white man Easter breakfast or to pray to their Jesus. Now he back on him, always taking him rest when the sun's sinking. Then him get up at night time looking for mad cane water. The shadows lengthened. Miss Gloria's food station was a few hundred yards up the dirt track. Today, it seemed a million miles away. Come man, Kevinton said. First thing we have to do is eat some food and drink a little water. Carrying our bill hooks, we dragged one foot after another to Miss Gloria's serving counter. I guess Kevinton was just as tired as I was. When we arrived, we dropped our tools into the deep water pot. Other slaves watched us in silence as they licked their dishes and drank their water. Miss Gloria served a small chicken wing and chicken claw with cornmeal. She didn't utter a word, but she looked up and smiled at us for a short second. We made our way to the shelter of our favorite guango tree to eat our meal. Kevinton fixed his gaze on Mr. Donaldson's hut, about 30 strides behind the open-air canteen. It had four wooden steps leading up to the front door and a wide veranda with two chairs sitting on it. The roof provided generous shelter for anyone who took their rest there. The windows were covered by white cloth. He had his own vegetable plot and pit toilet out back. Me hope he's in there, said Kevinton. Me too, I replied, but me hope that he's sleeping even more. I licked my wooden bowl clean. Kevinton drained the last drop of his water. He stood up first. Come more, he said. The sun's taking its dip. We dropped our bowls and mugs in the wooden box. Miss Gloria didn't meet our eyes. Fireflies hovered over her cooking pot. We collected our bill hooks from the water tub. I sensed all eyes on me. I glanced up and down the dirt track. The western hills when a crown with an amber glow. My heart pounded like old Mr. Cliff's hammer when he was fixing a large wheel. I shared and now I never look with Keverton. 
He nodded. The small creatures in the field had already started their nighttime arguments. I gripped the, hang the handle of my knife so tight that redness appeared under my nails. Homea had stopped putting her handcart on the way to the mill house and watched us. I felt her eyes burning into me. They would soon come for me, Moa. It might be tonight they would drag her out of her cabin. If she refused, they would take it anyway. I didn't want to fail her. My heart seemed to beat a warrior drum song. I prayed that the sky god Naomi would guide me. Pick me, stop playing. Say, I whispered to Keverton. Say the door bolted. Bolted or not bolted, we have to kick it down. And when Keverton dashed towards Mr. Donaldson's hut, I soon caught up with him. If my heart could have run, it would have reached the cabin first. We both kicked the door down. Dust flew up in my eyes. I blinked furiously. Mr. Donaldson was taking his rest on his bed. He only wore his pants. His chest and feet were bare. His back ripper was on a table beside him, next to an open Bible and a wooden cup. He shot up quickly, not quite believing that he was being confronted by two field slaves armed with bill hooks. He went for his back ripper. Keverton hesitated. His weapon trembled in his right hand. I didn't want to see Kevinton whipped again. I didn't want Mr. Massa to force me to view his broken body. I couldn't bear it to dig Kevinton's pit. I didn't want to see him dangling from a thick branch. Fear left me. Naomi was with me. I charged towards my tormentor. The whip crack was loud. He caught me on the neck and the pain was deep and intense. It didn't stop me. Use both hands, Lewis had advised. Dig deep, twist. Make sure he don't breathe another dirty breath. My aim was true, just above his left nipple. My blade went in easier than I had imagined it. I turned the blade. He didn't scream. He just let out his final, long breath. It was quite something, watching the last moments of a dying man. He'd never enjoy a mug of rum again. No slave would ever feel the sting of his back ripper. He'd never molest another, another Hameo again. He'd never marvel once more at the red sun dipping beyond the western hills. I pulled my weapon out. He fell to the floor, as did the Bible. As I stood still, not believing what I had just done, Keverton leaped on Mr. Donaldson and plunged his billhook into his back five times. The wooden floor turned red, staining the book. Some tiny ants scarpered. Some got drowned in the blood. My heart thumped my ribcage. Keverton and I shared a look. We heard screams and cries from outside. I pulled back the white cloth from the window. People ran here and there. All was chaos. I looked at my fingers. They were soaked in blood. The white mum bled just like we did. Come, Moa, Keverton urged. We have to use with good foot and step it out to here. I gazed at the body of Mr. Donaldson once more. His fair hair was now painted crimson. His lips kissed the floor. Yes, I had stolen the light from his eyes. Moa, Keverton raised his voice. Come on. We dashed outside. Mr. Farage, another overseer, was dragged out of his hut and hacked to death by corn man and tall man. 
Brothers and sisters hollered Akan war cries as mothers scooped up their young children and scampered to their cabins. Miss Gloria was nowhere to be seen. Further up the hill, rebels including Mooka, Papa's fellow worker at a millhouse, chopped Mr. Merritt's neck and torso. The slave master tried to flee, but too many black hands wielded bill hooks. He crumpled beneath the furious onslaught. He'd never take his stance again. Papa wasn't in sight. For a short second, I wondered if Mama and Hopi were safe. I considered running to them, but I had given my good foot and hand to Taki's rebellion. Moa! Keverton hollered at me. He yanked my arm and led me down the hill. I almost lost my footing in a deep wheel rut. We passed the lifeless body of Mr. Bolton. His throat had been slashed and his face had been mutilated. It didn't seem real. I slowed my pace to check if it was really, was an overseer lying in the dirt. It was. My own blood cooked inside of me. Keverton had to pull me again. We ran down the dirt path, passing many slave cabins and worksheds. We made it to the front gate of the plantation. Seven white men were lying dead there too. I recognised the face of the overseer who was in charge of the stables. His head was almost decapitated. Keverton didn't allow me to pause and look at the corpses. The dirt track bent and fell to the left, and the dark hills now appeared more menacing. Bush bunched to our right. We finally stopped at a repair house not too far from the old river. Old Mr. Cliff, the wheelwright, spent his long days here. Broken wheels, carts, fence posts, and wooden tools surrounded us. More than 30 men had already reached the rendezvous point. All of them held a billhook or some other knife or weapon. I witnessed something I'd I had never seen before. My brothers hugged and smiled at each other. A grin twitched the corners of my mouth. Lewis was also there. A thick scab ran across his face. He marched over to me, looking as happy as I'd ever seen a black man. It was only now I realized that I had my own wound across my neck. It burned. So that is the start of the slave revolt. That is um, a real incident that occurred in Jamaica in 1760 called Taki's Rebellion from Cane Warriors. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to follow CocoPod and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss new stories when they drop. One last thing, Caribbean stories and Caribbean writers need our help. Show your support by sharing and downloading this podcast as far and as widely as you can. Buy their books, support independent bookshops, and request Caribbean titles from your local libraries. Remember that a rising tide lifts all ships. Give thanks. For more Caribbean storytelling goodness, follow Coco Pod and BCLF Always Lit on all major podcast platforms. <laughs>